Hey guys, we're back with episode 11 of VP Precision. I uh, got Jake on the phone here, and we're going to uh, go over a couple things. Uh, got some a uh, little hunt update. I uh, uh, talk about some some new some things we're working on. Talk about Rock Lake NRL match up here uh, in uh, was in uh, Eastern Washington, and yep. uh, a few questions. So, uh, what have you been up to lately, Jake? I've been. Running the grind, and uh, today we went on the jet skis. So that was kind of fun. Well, that sounds like a grind. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> <laughs> love it. So that was uh, that was good. We just got done with Rock Lake NRL match, and we're going to uh, take a couple week break. I know I am. Yep. Uh, roll right into I think another NRL match, which is California, San Diego, Southern California. Oh, cool. Oh, I wanted to go to that one. I'm going to be gone. I was looking at matches, trying to. I definitely need some more, especially after this last weekend, which we'll, uh, uh, we had polar opposites on match performance. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> so I was kind of jealous. It's like, man, I got to get that monkey off my back. So uh, probably, uh, spoiler alert, worst, worst finish I've had in three years maybe. And then uh, uh, another spoiler alert, Jake took it down. So big first place for him. We'll talk about that shortly. So congrats to you, buddy. You, that moves you. Yeah. Two, uh, first place in the National Rifle League overall score, uh, just killing it. So uh, super proud of you. You shot super good uh, two days in yeah. a row in uh, in some tricky wind. And uh, anyway, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I uh, just want to say congrats. That was awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. For sure. Um, real quick, I'm going to do a uh, quick update because last episode we were, I recorded it in BC up in a hotel and I was headed back in to look for Ram for Ben. I've been getting a handful of messages and questions if we got a Ram for Ben. Uh, long story short is no. Uh, quickly, uh, we ran up there that next morning. We went in. We had a, a long side-by-side ride, a bunch of backpacking. We there was a bunch of snow it, rivers were high we swung we, the river crossing we started to cross we got swept down the river for like a ways we kind of ruined a side by side took us seven hours to get it out get the water out of the motor uh somehow we got it going <laughs> we had to get the water out of the sounds like a nightmare the belt drive it got, i thought the, i thought our little uh, scouting trip was over before it started i was like well we're gonna have to hike out you know 30 miles and uh and this thing can stay here forever as far as I'm concerned. So um, we just, anyway, we got it going, uh, made it in. In the midst of that, we're, we're hiking this two miles back and forth this area. We were almost at the spot we wanted to get to. Uh, two miles back and forth, we were, I hauled all my junk out, soaking wet. Jackets were wet. Every, his sleeping bag weighed, the guy I was with, Blake, was sleeping bag weighed. is a down bag, did not have it in a dry bag. Everything was underwater in the river. Um, oh, his bag weighed 15 pounds, probably. Uh, took all the guns, everything, dumped at the cabin on the way back. Um, he was up in front of me a long ways, so we were probably 600 yards apart or something going through the woods. I had a black bear jump out right in front of me. I got no gun, nothing. No problem. It's a black bear. Runs up the hill about 10 yards. Probably it's about 15 yards from me. Then it decides to turn around and come back at me. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to hit it with a trekking pole and <laughs> go fight it off. It. <laughs> no, I was going to poke it with a trekking pole. That was my <laughs> that was my big strategy. But the strategy is like look around at these little tiny trees and this thick brush I can't walk through. And then like I don't know what to do. So I'm yelling at it. It's It comes – it gets <laughs> – I wasn't too concerned until it got 
closer and closer. And it just finally, I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to, whatever it was thinking it was going to do. Um, it took it's off. It's funny so. too, because when you, you first imagine like, Oh, if I ever come up on a bear, I'm going to climb this tree or I'm going to do something fancy. And, <laughs> and then you get in that situation and you just, you just, what you just freeze or what? Well, no, I wasn't, I was like, you know, I felt like I was thinking relatively clearly and, I was just saying, hey, bear, hey, bear, and I was, I was clicking my tracking poles together. But then you just realize how stupid any of those ideas, like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to poke it with this or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb this tree. Well, it's eight <laughs> yards away. It can beat you in a half a second. I'm, the brush is so thick. I, I'm having a hard time walking around these trails. I can't get off and climb a tree. Like, it's not like it's – and bears can climb trees. Like a black bear can run up a tree like it runs on flat ground. So it's the dumbest thinking. It's like you have all these these plans, and really the plan is to just, you know, generally it's not going to be a problem, and it didn't end up being a problem. So that was fine. But, you know, you can't have handguns in BC, so those are out. So if you want to carry a gun or, you know, I don't know, bear spray, I've never done that. I don't know. I wasn't concerned about it. But when he turned – man, he turned around. I've been around of plenty of bears, and usually they're just out of there. But he ran up, looked at me, got a clear view of me, and started coming back. And I was like – well, this is different. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, he ended up taking off. No big deal. Nothing happened. But um, got the bike out. Long story short, we'll leave all those details. Uh, crossed. I don't know how many rivers I crossed in my underwear and a pair of Crocs. And it was cold. Anyway, anyway we hiked <laughs> hiked the rest of the week, got up on the mountains. Um, you know, we'd kind of we'd get up on top. We had pretty not terrible climbs but you know four hours three four hours and you know get up into these you know above tree line where you're glassing sheep and we saw sheep right away we actually found a a, a pretty good ram um that that was that was debatable that was um you know making the call to ben having him come up but we went back and forth and it just it was definitely a legal ram it was a nice ram just not quite what I think he was looking for, and I wanted to make sure we had it, you know, definitely had a good ram. So we found that right away, found some other rams, glass that ridge. We worked down this, and these are giant ridges, and you glass them for a couple of days and then drop straight down to, to the bottom of the drainage and go up on the next mountain range and rinse and repeat. And so we did that for a week, climbed a lot. I got in really good shape. We had a really good time. Um, saw four, I think found four more legal rams, couple 10 year olds and, uh, just, I don't know. That's a long story short. Good time. We saw a giant bear, giant grizzly bear. We kind of went around him on the trail. We were going to go up when we were coming, we were coming down the mountain. We could see him on the ridge. We were going to go up the other side. And so we just switched ridges and went up parallel next to him and saw, you know, elk and a bunch of sheep. I don't, we saw tons of sheep. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And we got kind of down to the end where we both kind of knew we were out of time that even if we found a ram at this point, kind of where we were, it would take a couple, at least three days to get Ben in there. And we both had to leave. And so we kind of like, well, at this point, we're out of time. So that's the long story short. We did find some good rams. We had beautiful weather. We had a, a really, really good time. Got right up on the called a wolverine in to you know 10 yards got right up right on these sheep just you know right above them and got some cool pictures of some other sheep this big big wide broomed off 10 year old and then a 
uh, pretty curly, you know, 10 year old, but nothing. They just didn't carry the, carry the weight through, uh, weren't long enough for one reason or another, just not quite with what Ben was looking for. So it was really fun. I felt grateful for going up, but we powered out. We think of that last day we did 13 miles, um, coming down a mountain or down a mountain, up a mountain, and then out to the end of that mountain and then back to, uh, and then back to kind of base camp, whatever you want to call it. And then, and then out the next morning. So, uh, flew home and now I'm playing catch up. Flew home actually a couple days later went to Rock Lake. So that's the long story short for you guys uh, that we're asking. No, no ram for Ben. He's gonna eat the tag, uh, but it was it was fun to give it a fun to give it a go. So I it was again I just I love it up there. It's it's unreal. So props to my family for my you know my brother and the guys for holding down the holding down the work side for my wife for being pretty awesome i've been gone a lot that's it was gone too much honestly i would not would not make a habit of that but it was kind of a a unique deal and 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 she was awesome and everything's cool so that was it stone sheep 2019 is officially over i got a great ram been passed on some good rams uh nothing quite what he wanted he's he's he knows what he wants and it's awesome so he's gonna hold out for it and a lot of guys can't say that but he when he goes he gets something in his head he's gonna do it so props to him uh he it was pretty awesome so he's out there right now he just in reached me he's working on his elk tags we'll keep you guys posted on that um got some big bulls in mind one in particular so uh, hopefully he gets that knocked down in the next few days. If not, I think I'm going to go up there next week and help him for a little bit. So that's on the hunting side of what's going on. Um, you've got, I think you're building a hunting gun right now too. You want to, I, I haven't heard all the details, so I'm curious about that. What do you got going on? So I'm building a, uh, a six, five PRC and Sweet. I wanted to do kind of a medium weight rifle. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not super into like the six pound, ultra super light but i don't want anything 15 16 mm-hmm. i just wanted to kind of a medium weight uh we're, we're uh, taking a trip to kodiak island and we're going to do a mountain goat and sitka blacktail deer and so one of the unique things about Sweet. kodiak is that um you know there's a lot of mountain goat and there's yep. a lot of sitka blacktail deer so yep. we're going to go up there and have a good time and kind of combine it with some uh late season fishing and so my build is a 6.5 PRC, and I'm doing that just so I can shoot the factory ammo. I like the Hornady factory 6.5 PRC ammo. It's always shot really well for me. Mm-hmm. I have another uh, PRC as well and, and really enjoy it. So this is a cool. Curtis Axiom, um, obviously left-handed because I'm a lefty, and I'll put a benchmark. It's, it's kind of a light varmint barrel, but it's going to be heavy fluted, so it should take a lot of that weight out of there. Um, and that's going to be from, from benchmark. And I'm going to throw it into a brand new chassis from XLR, which is the element 3.0. And I'm going to run the magnesium version of that chassis, which is going to be pretty much, uh, you know, carbon grip, carbon butt stock, and it's going to be just under two pounds Jeez. ready to rock and roll. So I'm really excited about that. It's a, it's a chassis that, Kyle Miller and, and XLR have been working on for a long time and I've got That's a little cool. bit of input on it. And so I'm, I'm really uh, jazzed about it cause it's just a sweet chassis. That's cool. Are you doing a, is that a folder or is that a fixed bus stock? So I'm going to do the folder and the folder brings it, I think an ounce over two pounds. 
That's um, still really good for a, for so, a folding stock. Yeah, and I just want a folder so I can kind of keep it um, in my backpack or or whatever. It's going to take off that you know twelve inches of length on that buttstock, which is a carbon buttstock, so it's super light, but it's going to be able to fold real real tight in there. And I like their folding mechanisms quite a bit. They lock up really mm-hmm. tight. They're super stiff. And I believe it adds over the over the regular unit. It only adds four point nine ounces or five ounce, you know, five ounces, something like that. So it's really, you know, kind of a uh, lightweight option anyway. That's pretty cool. I I was jonesing for a folder when we were when we were on this last hunt because we would up on the ridges. It's no problem. I carry my gun strapped in the side of the pack. Kafaro's got these kind of these wings on the fulcrum pack. And so I put the buttstock in a pocket at the bottom of the pack on the side and these wings strap right over the, you know, the scope and the action and, and hold it tight. Well, it's awesome when you're up high um, because the barrel's sticking out over your head. But when you get down in the bottom and those willows and brush, when you've got to cross, yep. get in the bottom across the creeks and head back up the other side, then you're constantly, the barrel's catching on everything. And so I was kind of jonesing for a folder. That would be a perfect, because that would suck it. You drop that whole thing down. You're only, the barrel would be barely sticking out over your head. If it, yep. if any, with a little 24-inch barrel, it would be awesome. So that's yeah. sweet. I love the idea of short, short stocks like that. So props to those guys. Um that's pretty awesome. And I didn't forget, I didn't know you were going to Kodiak. Are you going this year or what? Is this a new deal? Uh, What's this? Yeah, it's kind of a new, kind of a new thing. We're, we're talking about going with, uh, um, few buddies and we'll see exactly what we can do. My uncle lives on Kodiak Island. So we have a, uh, you know, pretty good in, he's got a boat up there. So we'll go fishing up there. And I've probably been to Kodiak 20 times, um, yeah, in my awesome. life and done a lot of fishing um, a little bit of hunting, but really just, you know, we went up there to fish with my dad. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun opportunity. That's cool. Yeah. You can grab those Sitka tags. I think you can get what? Oh, they're cheap. Two or three Sitka tags. Yeah, so out, out of state, I believe it's two, um, Sitka and you get, um, I thought it was two for like 220 bucks. So it's really affordable that's crazy. out of state. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I might have to jump in your suitcase with you on that trip. I want to go yeah. shoot those sick because. Come on up. Let's do this. Dude, that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> so just when I need another hunting trip. So anyway, that's awesome, man. I love it. And um, they have a lot of mountain goat up there. So they do. But do, we're gonna do go you have to some. be well we'll talk about some details on that afterwards but there's some, a few things about that but dude that's yeah they've got kodiaks not to mention bears they got some awesome bears there but yeah that mm-hmm. and and foxes and cool awesome island and i mean just that environment's uh, that environment yeah. out there is pretty awesome so i was i was down yeah. that illusion chain on a different hunt and it's it's pretty gnarly out there i really i really enjoyed it so that's cool um what scope are you gonna put on that uh, I'm not sure right now I have the, the U S optics B 17. Okay. Um, so it's a 3.2 to 17. I don't know if I want to run that or if I want to run a five to 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of want to keep it on a, a, a lighter weight scope. So I might run the loophole Mark five, five to 25. It's, uh, quite a bit lighter than most other five to 25. So yeah. I might run something like that. I might, uh, you know, just go full, super lightweight and, and pick a yeah. different scope. But those are kind of my two options right now. And I just got to cool. figure out exactly what I want to do yeah. weight wise and, you know, see how long they are, how, 
how giant they are. I don't want anything too extravagant because it's going yeah. to be a yeah. kind of a slim, uh, lightweight rig. Yeah. I'm going to be throwing it in packs. I'm going to be throwing it on the floorboard of a truck. I'm yeah. going to be... You know, it's going to be all over. So it's got to be one, it's got to be durable. And both those are very durable options. I have no problems with that, but yeah. it's going to be. Um, and the weight thing. Is the B-17 yep. the same size, size as the B-25 or are they different? It's No, it's slightly smaller. It's got the same okay. center main tube. Okay. Uh, but the Bell, I think, is a uh, 44 millimeter compared to the 52 millimeter of the 5 to 25. Oh, okay, okay. So basically from the eyepiece where the bell starts is exactly the same and they just screw a different objective on got it okay yeah the uh i ran that that mark 5 3.6 by 44 dude that thing is a compact little god such a cool little hunt scope just growing on me especially after i dropped it on some rocks and everything just just (laughs) (laughs) held per i mean i beat that thing up i took a big chip out of my carbon barrel and dry i got i mean after 20 days of bouncing around up there on horses and hiking it takes a few takes a few spills so it's i've been super impressed with it and i love the size it's the smallest little scope i've ever messed with so as far yeah. as as far as this capable of long range i mean it's a it's still a good got turrets and everything so it's not tiny but anyway well that's cool that i was pretty impressed with that xlr chassis that I, you know i know hopefully some others are coming out with Products like that and competing, uh, it's cool of XLR to lead the way with a, you know, something that's got a folder um, option like that that's also very lightweight. Um, I know MPA's got a, a lightweight option too. I don't think they have a folder. I'm not positive, but um, it's fun seeing some of the chassis companies kind of take an interest in on the hunting side of things. Like I think there's a need there. I'm looking for a stock right now for my 300 Ultra or 300 Norma to get ready for a, a moose hunt here in a few weeks. And I'm just like, I can't, there's no stocks that I really, really want. I really want, uh, you know, I, I, I like the chassis folder idea, I think, you know, especially if you can keep with a carbon or something, keep a, a little bit warmer to the touch in the cold weather. Um, I, I think MPA did some rubberized coatings, some lightweight coatings. So it was, it was, it was warmer to the touch. So different people are doing different things, but anyway, I'm excited to see the direction that that's going as well. Cause we're so used to shooting chassis and comps all the time. It'd be fun to have all the, all the, you know, the hunting guns that way too. I, I don't think they look quite as good as like a, just a classy carbon stock or, you know, that's, traditional style but for i don't care it's way more functional so yeah right. <laughs> anyway, yeah all right that was kind of long-winded but um let's uh let's talk a little bit about rock lake in yep. so you uh you start what do you saturday morning what do you walk us through it what are you thinking so rock lake is uh real close to my house so it's kind of a home field advantage for me I've traditionally, uh, you know, been really fortunate to shoot, to shoot really well there. I think we've shot six matches there. I have won now four of them. I got second to you in another and second to Dan Bertaccini in another. Mm-hmm. So I've, I, I got a pretty good track record there. It helps. Yeah. I tell you what, it's a giant advantage in my mind to be, um, close to home and to, to, you know, be familiar with the area. So all the winds down there, I've shot in those before. And so I like mm-hmm. to shoot this match because it's kind of a, a home field event. You know, it's like having a home game in the playoffs or yeah, it's, it's like, awesome. you know, something like that. So I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, 
and then I enjoy all you guys coming over. So yeah, we had a big, fun. you know, a big group at my place, and we cooked up ribeyes. Because it was your birthday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we so, had a little birthday party actually, Saturday yeah. night. And yeah. I would say for the birthday party, uh, instead of us bringing gifts, Jake bought ribeyes for everybody. So yeah, <laughs> props to you and done. Devin. That was awesome. Well, so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, and, and in all fairness, uh, you guys pitched in some cash. So no, that was, it's, it's that was definitely paying your way. No, that was fun. That was super good. So, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, no, I, it, I agree. Having it close by, like, for me, it's like, man, we're only driving, you know, six, seven hours. It feels, it de- it definitely feels different than flying and having time changes, and it's just yep. an easier match. I, I generally like, the, you know, the matches I can drive to a lot more than the fly two matches, and I can't imagine having a match. I think this is probably one of the closest matches is about six and a half yeah. hours away, and I can't imagine having one 20 minutes away, so it's got to be. And that's be. crazy, too, that, so other than this match, the next closest match is still in that six, seven, eight hours away range. Yeah. And, you know, other places around the country, they literally can, you know, have four or five matches within that, you know, three, four, five hour range. It's like, man, it's crazy. So, um, I'm jealous. you know, we're just a little bit more spread out out here, I guess. It's, yeah. It's, and uh, and I got to find something in Oregon. I need to get, if any of you guys have some awesome land in Oregon that you, you know, think would be good for a two-day match, let me know. It'd be fun to if we could find something. Um, Let's do a, a VP Classic. Yeah, for, uh, that'd be awesome. We, Jake and I could host an awesome match. So that's something, I don't know, we'll throw that out there. If you've got a, a land you think you could handle a two-day with some, you know, parking and a lot of room to do a bunch of stages, that'd be awesome to get another. Again, I wouldn't be, I guess I wouldn't be shooting it, but I don't care. It'd be fun to put on a match that was closer for a lot of the Oregon boys. So anyway, yeah. that's, a, that's a side note. So anyway, back to back to Rock Lake, you're, you're whatever, 30 minutes down the road and you're, it's your training range where you do load developments, where you dial your guns in it's 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 your it's the home field so it's awesome yeah so saturday um we shot over on the range portion uh doug lorefield's match director and so you know big thanks to doug for uh being willing to put on matches and because i know it's a it's a tough job and it doesn't always get uh, appreciated yep I, i tell you what it's it's good to have another match in the area and Doug uh, has been doing it for a while, so Agreed. you know definitely keep it up, Doug. But so for yep. this match, he's got two places. He's got one place which he owns, which is a range, um, and you got a lot of different targets out there. You got movers, and you got all sorts of stuff out at the range portion, which is a little bit more square range-ish. You got your barricades and towers, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, an undercover area to side in, all that kind of jazz. Yeah. And then on day two, which was Sunday, we shot over at his dad's place. And his dad's place is where we've traditionally had most of these matches, which is uh, what I like to call over at the barn. Now, he still has some stuff over there, tractors and, uh, you know, a, a shoot house and a bunch of different rocks and bluffs that we shoot off of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year it was a little bit different because he told us when the match was when he was doing his brief that on Sunday is primarily a prone day. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was, it was pretty much all prone. It was all prone on Sunday. And, yeah. and I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm, I can hold my own at prone, but I really like to move. I like to, yeah. you know, you know, be, be quick with the rifle and, and, and make good shots. So yeah. I felt maybe it was going to be a little bit of a disadvantage going over there, but I ended up shooting really well. And, and yeah, you burned it down. Um, 
and capturing the win. Yeah, yeah, I know you killed it. You were so end of day one. You were uh, was it uh, Mike with Mike Anderson was yeah. was was Mike in the Anderson. lead by one point above you, and then he ended up finishing second to you, and you rallied on day two. Mm-hmm. And shot really. He shot good, but you you shot really really good. Um, on and there was tricky stuff like, you yeah. know, um, I don't know if we'll talk about that later. But um, but just some tricky troop lines and some and some and some tricky wins and you just stick and burn it down. So, um, it was it ended up being what was the final? What was the top three? It was it was you and then Mike and then and then who was third? Uh, third was Steve Eames. Steve Eames, that's right. Yep, he's been shooting really good lately. So congrats, yes. Steve. Sorry about that. I knew that. I, I just spaced it. So anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, so that <laughs> what? <laughs> so, how, how did your how did your well, weekend go? So brother? my weekend. So so anyway, so I got back from BC on Tuesday or Wednesday. Worked a day or two, and then loaded some ammo Friday Thursday night and and yep. worked a little bit Friday morning and took off. So um I I, I honestly I don't know. I'm still working on it. I I I loaded it. I was able to shoot a little bit here. It seemed to be shooting pretty good. 400 rounds on a barrel. Everything's perfect. It's about the sweetest spot you can pick on a barrel if I think if you 4 to 600 yep. rounds is money. And so I went over there 100 yards zero wasn't great, but we were kind of rushed, and it was a little mirage and I didn't even think about it. I shot a couple rounds Friday night, you know, before dark at some distance, hit a couple steel plates. I was like, go, oh, shot at six, seven, eight hundred yards, and shot a couple at 400. I was like, okay, that's good. We were, we were out of time. We got over the late side, and it was just about over, and we just squeezed it in. So um, day one was a lot of positional, a lot of close range, and I shot – I mean, for not for being out of the loop, I felt like I shot. I definitely had a lot of, you know, if it's a ten round stage, I got a nine. If it was a twelve round stage, I got elevens. I just had a lot of one, one downs. The only stage I think I cleaned was that mover stage, which was a good clean. Um, mm-hmm. But everything else was one down. But still shot really good, except for they had a stinking elk. It was just modified prone off a rock. Five weak side, five strong side. It was real straightforward. I was rock solid. And I couldn't hit the elk. I was going over it and under it and over it and under it. I hit it three out of ten times. And so right there, I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of – if you throw the elk out, I shot right – I was either tied with you or one behind you. So right there in the top top couple spots. So I was like, okay, I shot okay for not touching a gun in a month and not preparing. But there was a lot of closer range targets. And they were Ipsic. They were a little taller generally, a lot of Ipsic. So I had some vertical room. Well, I was like, okay, we'll try to rally back tomorrow. It's all prone. Just that's pretty straightforward. And I couldn't hit the broadside of the barn on Saturday or on Sunday. So <laughs> I dropped. It was, it was, uh, it was ridiculous. I, 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 I told pe- people like, how'd you do, John? You afterwards, and I'm like, I told them I dropped forty points, and no one believed me. They're like, they're just like. You're such a liar. You're such a jerk. Like, dude, I'll ask you a simple question. Just tell me. I was like, dude, I dropped 40 points and it was, it was pretty rough. And so part of that was um, there was a couple goofy stages that, you know, that were, there was a spinner where you just shot it, you shot it 12 times, but you, 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 you know, nothing for spinning. So you just shot, shot top and then shot, shot top three, bottom three, top three, bottom three. So just, 
you know, but no bonus points for spinning. And so I was like, screw it. I'm going to try to spin it. So I was playing around a little bit. So I'm sure I threw away a few points doing that. I, I, I bet Kevin Ditto on a stage. It was this so five target troop line that was spread out all over the thing and everybody was taking two minutes and I bet Kevin I could do it under 60 seconds and and so I did some stupid bets like that and they cut maybe cost me a couple points so but generally like we had a prone coyote at 600 yards I laid down missed it six times in a row and just I don't really know I came home doing some testing my zero was quite a ways off it was it was over an inch low and it was a, a big horizontal spread, um, probably an inch and a half, about a, a little inch, inch, inch and a half wide spread, three shot. And I shot at 600. I missed my 12 by 24 plate that I do group testing on. I missed it three times before I even got it on steel um, with, <laughs> with my comp dope. So I had some issues going on. I'm still sorting them out, but I'm fire forming new brass and breaking the new barrels and getting ready for, for AG cup. But I think it was good for me. Um, well, it wasn't good for me. It was horrible, but <laughs> I think it's good. It was, it's like a wake up call. Hey, get your crap in order and get everything ready for the AG cup. I think that's going to be my next match. So trying okay. to get everything ready, fire form brass before work and fire form a little bit afterwards and working my way through about 500 pieces and, Doing that, getting some barrels broke in, but um, it was it was a uh, it was an exercise for me as far as you know. I, I I go to these things pretty focused. Generally, this was a little different just because I've been gone, but I you know I'm going there to shoot well. We we're both going there to win. And day one after that elk stage, I was pretty bummed. I was like, I got a three yes, on a stage that everybody was getting sevens, eights, nines on. Like not not a lot of nines, but a lot of sevens and eights is generally what yep. seemed like everybody was getting. So I was like, man, I'm five or six down, like on that stage, and that was that put me that put me in eighth or ninth, I think, and I was five or six out of the top. And I was like, well, shoot. And so um, I, I kind of. I was like, all right, let's keep shooting. And I shot, you know, focus. But after I started missing, I was like the first three stages, a couple guys in our squads cleaned everything. And I was missing two to four shots on every single one of those stages. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm six to 12 points down on these, on these guys in three stages of the 11. And it just stayed that way the whole day. And so it took me a little bit. It's real easy to be, to be nice and positive to everybody when you're winning and helpful and kicking everyone's butt. It's real easy to be nice. And it's a little bit tougher when you're having a really hard day to, to be positive. So it was a good exercise for me. It was like, okay, this is, this is over. It's not happening. So, and I, and I hate, <laughs> and I hate, I, I'm still trying to kind of battle in my head about, okay, should I have, really focused and tried to salvage a, a 19th place. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I was paying attention to the wind. I was driving my dope. I still hit some targets and, but I was just, I couldn't, I was miss high and low. I had a lot of vertical and I'm, I'm not sure why I've got to, I'm going to pull everything apart and retorque everything. And I couldn't find anything loose, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, um, I just, I probably, the only thing I'm disappointed is I, I could have used, I, I could, should have focused more on taking each stage, focusing on the wind, and just practice and shooting in the wind because it was kind of switchy and kind of goofy, um, and and maybe paid a little bit more attention. But it, 
I just, I just, we didn't. Brian and I were having, both having, a, I was squatting with Brian Pants. We were both having kind of a rough day. It was super hot and we were just kind of goofing around. So it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it, it was a weird match, a match I haven't really experienced in a long, long time because you're always just battling, you know, every single stage is important. And this one didn't feel that way. It was, it was strange for me. So, um, so do you think that your mindset changed a little bit when you realized, Hey, I just don't have enough stages to catch up or this weekend just isn't my weekend. Do you think that your mindset changed a little bit as soon as you realized that? Cause you were still oh, in yeah. it, you know, after day one, I think you're six, six or seven shots down yet. 83 Mike had a 90, so you're seven shots down, Yep. you know, so you're really, you're still one good day away from taking a win really yeah Um, and that's what i i went in knowing i was like okay i think there's gonna be some small targets there's gonna be there's gonna be a chance to make up some ground i can pull a top three and that's and that's my mentality and i was like and i hadn't the only window so it was all mostly positional modified a fair bit of modified prone and i guess some prone but some positionals generally it was closer targets on Saturdays, closer, more traditional styled stuff. And we haven't had an all prone day for a long time, which I didn't, didn't care for. That's besides the point, but, and he, he announced it. So no problem. Like I like shooting there. I like Doug's a great guy. Like, but I just, it's just, I'm not a big fan of, of, of prone shooting generally, like definitely mix it in, but just a full day of it is honestly gets kind of boring. Um, mm-hmm. I like looking at stages and figuring out, you know, how to, you know, timing and per position and moving. And, and that's just fun. It keeps you, it keeps you focused, but different topic anyway. So I, I went in though and yeah, I was like, okay, I can make up some ground. Right. So I really was, it was, it was really that first stage, like, um, Sheldon and Owen were in my squad, Sheldon Nalos and Owen Copen, whatever. Copen, Coppen, something I can't remember how to pronounce it, but good dudes. Just burning it down, just clean, clean, clean. Just everything's prone, and every just these troop lines, and they're just cleaning everything. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I should clean the stage. And then I just I center, 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 wide right. I was like, where did that come from? Like, and the wind <laughs> was it was pretty calm. I was like, okay. And then the last target was uh, low, and I was like, I didn't think it was low. I was like, I don't know. I sent another one low. I was like what in the world? And these weren't, these weren't that far. I was 500 yards, maybe 600 yards. And, and so I was like, okay. And my, the only glimpse of that back to Saturday was it was a lot of positional, a lot of Ipsic. So if I had vertical or whatever, I was hitting, I hit a lot of targets and I had some weird misses, but I was like, man, I'm still just dropping one a stage and I'm, I'm not shooting, burn it down, but I'm hanging in. And except for that elk stage, I could not figure out why, I had, I mean, it's 1400 yards, but still it was an elk target, like a legitimate elk target. And it was big. It was big. And I hit, I missed high. And so I held low and then I would miss low. And so I would hold on the middle and then I would hit one and I'd send another one and then I would miss high and then I would hold low and miss high. And then I would hold low and miss low. And I was just like, just, I was like in the back of my mind, I was worried because I knew something wasn't right because I get, you get some up and some downdraft or something goofy and, you know, you might miss a few, but you don't miss seven in a row like that. You were, you're just, you know, so I was a little worried going into Sunday, but I was like, well, whatever, we'll just shoot. But yeah, three stages in, sorry, this is a long-winded answer, but three stages in probably by the time I'm 12 down to these guys in our squad on stages that really were pretty cleanable, you know, at worst drop one. And I'm dropping, like I said, you know, two to four 
on every one of them. I'm down, you know, down 12 and three stages. Like what is going on? And, and the stages were just getting tougher. Like, you know, for up on the bluff, those long range in the bowl and, and, and some of those troop lines up there. And, and then the stage one was long range. I missed, I got a one on, you cleaned it, got a 10. I got a one on that legitimate one, like just missing low and high and low and high. And I was just that anyway. So three, probably three stages in. Yeah. My mindset definitely changed. And I don't know, I don't know what the right answer. What, what's your, What's your experience? You you had a rough when we were in Arizona. This I that one I burned it down, and we kind of swapped places on these matches. What was your experience there? You just kind of like, hey, let's get this over with. Like, yeah, you know, I I had uh, in Arizona. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I I think I got 12th place in Arizona, mm-hmm. and I was, I believe, I was 11 shots down from second place. Yeah. And you were another 10 shots up from that or something stupid. I was 20 up on that second. Yeah. So you were, and you, you had, you had walked away from it. And I remember that we were together when I shot that last stage. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if I clean this stage, I'm going to be like second, third, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and I think I got a zero on it. <laughs> I think you got. So, a, I think you might have got a one. I can't. I might have got a one. I don't. It was just like the worst possible time to shoot that it was particular bad. stage. It was hard. It was super um, windy. Super windy, and a huge field windy, of fire. Yeah. Holdovers off of a tripod, off a rooftop. <laughs> it's like the worst time to shoot that stage that was and our first so, stage of the day when it was dead calm so talk about luck of the draw there is luck in this game yep. and i got yeah, the lucky i Absolutely. got luck that game that day so so there was uh so that particular i was i was kind of in it and i was i was giving it my best until that last stage okay you, you come over and it i'm not saying anything's your fault because i already know you're killing it yeah, yeah um and i think after day one i was down like a point and a half yeah it was and, tight uh, on you yeah and so it was pretty tight and i thought i shot mediocre on on day two but i knew yeah. who was in you know that second third fourth because we were kind of all shooting in that same area mm-hmm. um and i knew i had a chance if i if i clean this last stage i'm gonna do it but for whatever reason, I just wasn't feeling well. I had some Chobani yogurt <laughs> the night right. before, <laughs> and it was not good for my gut. Yeah. I wasn't feeling well. Yep. And I can make up a bunch of excuses why I shot like yeah. crap, but that's just yep. – that's all they are is excuses. So, yeah, I didn't do well on that stage, and I dropped from like second or third to I think 12th place. So yeah. that was – So, know, so until, then, until then, you had been – you had been pretty focused. Everything oh yeah, was, yeah. Okay. I was still, I was in it, and and you know, giving it my best. We had some really tough. I mean, everybody did, but you know, uh, we had some really tough wins and some different stages that made it challenging with the wind. And there's a giant difference. Like I was, I was talking about this with some some guys at Rock Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some medium sized targets up. Nothing too big. Nothing too small. Mm-hmm. But why are people missing? Well, people are missing because it's windy. If you take this exact match, the exact same match that Doug just put on and you do it where there's zero wind and you can hold on the center of the target, what happens to those shooting percentages? They just skyrocket and everyone hits a ton more targets. And now there's not as much separation between say 
you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or whatever. Yeah. And and it's the exact same match, same position, same everything. All you're doing is you're just adding a win variable, and that's it. Yeah. And um, it wasn't even it wasn't even twenty twenty five mile an hour wins. It was no. You know what was six, it? Seven. You know, four to twelve, four to ten, yeah. kind of a thing. So, yeah, it wasn't crazy. But, um, so we were just we were just talking about that and it, it's interesting to kind of figure out um you know it, it would be a really good study to figure out average wind velocities uh compared to points and com, you know compared to percentages it would be pretty interesting but this particular uh match it was a little bit windy you really had to focus on every single shot yeah. and what i noticed is that when you start getting towards the second half of Sunday, man, you're just, you're just fried, right? It was you hot weekend. It was hot, but you're, you're, you're mentally fried as well because mm-hmm. every single shot you have to really focus on to make the next shot good as well. Where yeah. if there's no win and, and we've both been in matches where you literally, you barely hold off, you know, yeah. target all weekend. Well, oh, yeah. it's just easy. It's just, okay. You just put the reticle in the center of the target and pull the trigger, and you're going to hit, you know, about every single time. Yeah, and so you don't need recoil management. Different. You don't need anything. You just if it breaks yep. while it's on the target, you don't need to see where it goes. It's going to hit. Yep, so. it's going to hit, and then you're going to do it again. You're going to do yep. it again. So, yep. uh, on a match like this, a field match or a, a windy match, really you got to focus the entire time in order to make sure that all those shots are important. And in my particular squad, what I noticed is as the Sunday got later and later and later, uh, people actually started to do, a, you know, progressively worse. Yeah. And so most of my margin on my win came from, you know, maybe the last five or six stages. And yeah. I was really fortunate. I cleaned four of my last five stages. So Dude, it was, and some good it ones was too. a good, that's pretty crazy. Really <laughs> you clean, so, you clean the last state, the one on the end with the, uh, that long, what was it, like a 1200 yard orange target? That big, I did. I cleaned that one and I cleaned, cleaned the, uh, the next one off the hay bale, which is a tougher stage. As that's well. a legit, if you clean, if you're at rock Lake and you clean stage one, you know, you got a shot like and 10. Yeah. That's a, those are the, those are the separator stages. So, so I wish those were spread apart I, a little bit. Cause if you shot it, start on 10, you shoot 10 and one before the wind starts. We need to get one of those at like stage five or something. We need to mix that up. <laughs> yeah. It, it would have been great to start on stage 10 and shoot 10 and one right in the morning. That oh been man, that would have been perfect. Those were our, those were my last two stages. I know you shot those in worse conditions and burn yeah. them down. That's pretty legit. So but you know, there's a, there's a couple things with that. We've, we've had some questions on uh, Instagram and Facebook, yeah. and one of them was, you know, kind of, oh, what do we recommend uh, for spotting at matches between bino- uh, binos or spotting scope? Yeah, let me and- let me read this, guys. I think he says I mark a teen to form Qu- what? Let's see, from Quebec. He says he's a French guy, so. Anyway, marketing. He said, the question is for you guys. Spotting scope or binos for matches with or without radical? Keep rocking. <laughs> anyway, so yep. thanks for the question. Um, that's who sent it. But, yeah, so so what, what's your preference? So I, so I have two different schools of thought on this. I really like the bino aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. 
gosh, I wish there was a bin- like a 15 power bino with a little reticle in there. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not. And so at least yet, not yet, uh, <laughs> you know, and so sometimes I'll, I'll try to, you know, sneak over to someone's loophole Mark four or one of the Swarovski STRs or something like that, that has a reticle. Mm-hmm. And I just want to get a little, a glimpse of the target. How wide is it? How big is it? It might help me um, understand on some of my wind holds, if I'm going to hold maybe a mill uh, on my first wind hold and the target's a mill wide, I know that I'm going to be off that particular target. Or if it's, you know, a mill target and it's a half mill hold, I know I'm going to be right on the edge of that target, you know, Mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. So I just want to kind of figure out how big those targets are. In some situations, it really doesn't matter. You're still holding to that number, whether it's four tenths or six tenths or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter, but it's just good. I just like to yeah, kind of see too. that. Um, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, you know. So, for example, say it targets, say it targets a half mil wide, and you're debating your wind call. Is it is it three or six? You know, you can you can you can or it's bigger say it's a you can get a one mil wide target you're like well it doesn't matter if i put on the edge i and it say it's 1.2 mils wide i know the max i could possibly blow is 0.8 and you can get kind of lazy focus on some other stuff but anyway you Mm -hmm. can yeah you can change your change a little bit or or get peace of mind on 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 target size say it's a coyote or an animal it's a little wider than normal so anyway keep going yeah, I, I still prefer binos. Um, I mm. like to get behind binos. One of the things I really like doing when I'm uh, using either a spotter or binos is I like to try to get behind the shooter and watch trace. And if you can do that over and over and over and over again, what you're going to find out is you're really mm. learning what that trace looks like in all different uh, conditions, whether mm. it's super miragey which is probably the toughest time to follow your trace yeah uh, you'll be able to see hey what are the differences in the mirage what am i seeing different compared to a nice crisp cool 50 degree sun's out day where trace is almost impossible not to see yeah. and that's going to be the difference is that you just want to be able to see it in all the different environments and see it as much as you can so for me i really like to get behind the shooter I like to watch the trace. I like to watch where the bullet's going. You can kind of follow the bolt a little bit too, especially if it's windy and you're holding one mil or 1.2 mils on wind. Mm -hmm. You can kind of follow the bullet, go out of the target, and then come back into the target, which is kind of cool. Yep. So I like to. You can see a wind hold. I mean, if you, if 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 that targets a, say it's a half mil wide, and you watch that bullet come outside of that target two or three tenths, you know it's about a half mil half mil of wind. You can you can yep. see that a lot of times what the actual wind hold is while you watch guys. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. Um, so that's that's one you know one of the reasons I like to kind of uh, always be back there spotting or uh, using that. Another reason I like to use uh, binos is because I'm constantly the entire stage moving from target to target to target. And I'm just visualizing in my head what I'm going to do. So you got target one and then I'll kind of look down at my arm board and I'll say, okay, target one is 434 yards. And that's going to be, you know, 1.8 mils. And then I'll, you know, go back to target two. And then I'll look at my arm board again. I'll kind of visualize turning the turrets. 
I'll go back to my arm board and I'm kind of memorizing this routine. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that for every stage, whether that's 20 stages over the course of the weekend or whatever. And then you just, you just get in the habit of, you know, getting that particular data and dope in your mind mm-hmm. so that it makes it easier when you are going from target one to target two, you don't screw anything up. And it's a little quicker. A lot of times I might not even look at my arm board because I already know that my second target is, let's just call it target B and it's 2.5 mils. And if I was just on my 1.8, a lot of times I won't even look at my arm board. Mm-hmm. I'll just run straight to 2.5 and that might save me about three seconds from mm-hmm. looking at the arm board, holding my hand up, you know, dialing. It might save me a couple of seconds. Well, you know, a couple seconds in this game, you do that four or five times over a stage. Yeah. All of a sudden you got 10, 12 extra seconds that you didn't know you had. Yep. Yeah. I know that's a good example. I think, so, uh, for me, spotter versus binos, I, I, I just prefer binos. I like you're, you're in, you're in them, uh, all day long. And so binos are a lot less eye strain where a spotter, you get a little bit of eye strain, you know, closing that one eye. So it's a lot more relaxing. Um, so I, I prefer, I love 15 power binos. So I'm, uh, run those loophole, uh, Sani M's. 15s uh, there's other companies that make great with swirl makes a great pair of 15s there's there's other ones but I, uh, those 15s from loophole have been awesome uh for this um i wish too that they had a little reticle in the corner just a little mill scale so you could range mill targets and i to me the dream product would be a range finding fifth for this game and it's very niche but it would be a range finding 15 with a little mill like a little l scale in the, in the corner it would be so perfect for this game but um anyway i love love the 15s agree with jake set up behind watch trace all all that's the same i think what you said about um going through the targets over and over is huge i i can't yep. stress how many times guys um get it on stage and then they start searching for it. Well, I'll give you an example, not to throw <laughs> Brian under the bus, but, uh, Brian, super good shooter. My buddy, Brian Pants, uh, he was with us this weekend. Um, has done this a million times and knows better, totally capable and super quick. He was burning it down on Saturday. He was shooting right there in the lead. We got to, there was a barrel stage where there was, you shot off one barrel, these three targets, two shots per and moved this other barrel and shot at three targets, two shots per 12 round stage. He goes right through the first three, hit, 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 moves to the second barrel, hit, 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 hit. It's got 25, 30 seconds left for this coyote and it's right on the edge of the field. And, and <laughs> I remember I, I, I could naked eye the first three and I could see him out in this big, this plowed field. And the third one kind of was in this notch in the top of the field where it went from dirt to grass. And I was like, okay, that's easy. And when I looked over naked eye at the other line, I could see the first two and the third one, there was a couple notches up there. And I was like, well, I can't see it. So I went back to my binos like three different times and I just focused on the notch and the angle it was from the second target as my reference. I was like, okay, that's the notch. And I can naked eye that notch and then go right to the gun. And I should have said something to Brian. I, he was on glass and we were, it was, it was towards the end of the day. We were just, anyway, I just, I didn't say anything. I, and I don't need to because he's really good at this, but this is just an example. 
he got through those and he burned the rest of the clock. He never, never found the target, never shot two rounds. He guaranteed it was one of the bigger targets there. He hit all the hard ones. He had plenty of time and he would have cleaned that stage. He would have been right there in the top going into Sunday. Um, but that's just a stressor. And even the most experienced guys, uh, you know, it's still, you still got to make those references, those landmarks and those, and those 15s can help. And they're on 15 power. So you kind of get a, okay, that's what that target looks like at 15. I'm going to be rolled up a little bit more on power, but that's, that's my landmark. That's my tree. That's my dirt patch, whatever I'm going to reference to, um, that target. I like to make naked eye references to where I can see, I'm going to look at this part and then take the gun straight to it. So I, I find those things or, you know, with the, with the 15s, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm a big fan of binos. Um, they're, they're huge. Uh, like you said, just get behind them, see trace and don't forget where your targets are. That's yeah. the surest way to miss is when you don't shoot at them. So, <laughs> and something you just, you just said is that, um, try to imagine what that's going to look like mm-hmm. on whatever power you're going to run or yeah. try to get that particular set of uh, binos or spotting scope in that power for me 15 power is really good mm-hmm. because i typically run my scope on 15 power yeah and so uh you know like if you're if you're running a spotter and you're cranking that thing all the way up to 35 40 power and then you run your scope at 16 power yeah, don't do it's that. almost a completely different view of what you've just seen and it really doesn't make any sense try to do something yep. that's going to be super familiar to you and all those landmarks will then be the same size. All your targets mm-hmm. will, you know, appear the same size. Everything's going to to be familiar instead of, uh, you know, spotting with an eight power set of binos and shooting on, you know, twenty seven power or whatever. It, mm-hmm. it could be a little different. Now, of course, if that's all you have, then by all means use it and and figure it out. But mm-hmm. that's just yeah. something that I've tried to figure out is if I'm going to be shooting on 15 power, it's actually best for me to spot with 15 power as well. Um, or, you know, something, something close to that 12s or 16s or whatever. Um, sometimes it's a 15 power. I think they're 15 by 40 spotting scope or, you know, whatever it is just because it's going to be familiar for you. Yep. No, I think that's good stuff. I think, I think the main thing, there are some really good spotters. I think the main thing for me is uh, traveling with them. Binos are a little smaller and the comfort. So they both work. Mm -hmm. If you've got a spotter, don't freak out. Um, if you know, those Mark four spotters, like you mentioned with the reticle, those, those, those swirl ones with the, with the reticle as well. Those are both awesome spotters. Um, the, I'm sure those other, but those are the two main ones that I see out there. Um, but those, you know, don't obviously worry about it and go have to get a pair of binos. But generally, binos are more affordable. Gener- they're easier to travel with. And I like them because it's less eye strain. You just relax, yes, stand, right. stand behind the binos all day. You'll see, me, you'll see both of us just hold on to our tripod, leaning behind the binos a lot <laughs> until, we, <laughs> yes, we until we shoot. And so, and a lot of guys do. The one thing, traveling is a little different. Like I was at a match. What match was that? early this year over back east and hardly anybody had them and i was i was surprised and i don't know you know i don't know if that's a like a location thing but i just hardly anybody had binos so everybody was like hey can i look through those it was no problem but i was surprised i was like man but 
like they would defer because I brought them and I wanted to watch. So they would, you know, a couple guys after I'd shoot, they'd watch, but they would always jump out of the way. Oh, here you go. It's there's you shooting because I was, it was almost up. And so I was always the one using my binos when it was my turn. Yeah. And, and I was like, man, I, I just was surprised that these guys that weren't watching it. And I don't know if, if it's generally there's less wind there. And so maybe they're not neat. They don't pay attention to trace as much. They're just going to get up there and shoot. I was, I'm not quite sure. And I haven't been to enough matches there. I just was surprised how few, I think I was the only one in our squad with binos out of yeah. 10, 12 guy squad. I think part of it too, is that you have uh, a lot more ranges over there where you have alleys. And so we have to find our targets in the middle of fields. That's true. Um, and so over there, Square you range. have like an alley of trees and the target is right in the middle of it. You don't really, I mean, it's there. That's true. You don't need to, you don't need to spot it and memorize it because yeah, berm one, berm two, berm, berm, it's berm one or yep. it's berm two, you yep. know, and that's it. And then you go to the next alley of trees and it's berm one or berm two. Yeah. That's definitely and part so of it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely different. Um, and it's just different styles of it. It's, yeah. it's, you know, like we, we shot with some Southeast guys that, uh, came up, uh, Tyler and, and Brian, they came up, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of years back and they were completely surprised one that there's a lot of wind up here. That's why they wanted to come up here yeah. Two, they were surprised that we were sharing wind calls and helping each other out. They're like, man, we've never, they don't do that. In the South. Yeah, it was, that was different too. <laughs> you know, yeah. they don't share anything. They just keep it all to themselves. They're like, no, we just share whatever. It don't matter. Here's here's my wind call. Here's my bag. If yeah. you know, if you need ammo, I'll help you out with that too. And yeah. so they were surprised that, and then yeah, spotting your targets. You're like, man, how do you see that in the field? That's just completely different compared right. to, you know, what we're doing. So th- those are the three things I, you know, kind of remember them, yeah, you know, right. speaking about uh, multiple times. So it was, it was good. Yeah, no, that's true. I think uh, just as a, even though they are berms, I think a lot of you guys would benefit just from watching, just watching, watching bullets fly. I mean, I, you can't, you can't, it can't, it can't not benefit you watching shot after shot after shot, watching, watching the trace bend a little bit. You get used to seeing trace. I don't know how much it, I don't know how much it applies over to, to you know, shooting your rifle, but it can't hurt. And you're there. So anyway, if you've got, if you're packing a tripod anyway, get yourself a set of whatever you got, you know, take some binos and throw them on the tripod. It doesn't take any room. And then I don't know, watch some trays. I think it, I think it overall, it's it's definitely not going to hurt. So anyway, that was a long winded, long winded answer to, to, uh, no, that's good. That's great. To Mark's question. Um, I got, I got one more if it's okay. Yeah. Let's Um, bust it out. So a gentleman by the name of Luke asked a little bit about reticles. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this as well. Mm-hmm. And I uh, have my own thoughts because I just moved into a different reticle. So uh, his question was, what do you look for in a reticle? When do you know when you love it or hate it? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, kind of, you know, what are you looking for? And so thanks, Luke, for the question. We're going to yep. go ahead and answer that. Um, I'll start for me. I really want to be able to see as much as I can. So a super busy reticle, like a Horace reticle or something that is, is really, is really busy. I don't think is super practical for this game Mm -hmm. because you really have to see one where your shots are impacting the target or two, 
where they're impacting if they're not hitting the target because you want to transfer that over to a center impact on steel. Mm -hmm. And so you really got to be able to pinpoint if you're looking through a a fishnet of stuff, Mm -hmm. it's super hard to see, you know, where everything's going. For example, we kind of ran through some different stuff. We had two loophole spotting scopes on tripods and they were sitting right next to each other. One had one of my favorite spotting scope reticles, which is the H32. It had uh, H32 in it. The other one had no reticle at all in it. And so you put that on the target and you say, okay, stand behind this and I just want you to follow the bullet and tell me where it goes. Um, boom. Uh, you know, first first one with with no reticle. Oh yeah, it went right to the left of the target. Uh, you know, okay, well let's let's do that again. Okay, yeah, it hit the left third of the target. Okay, perfect. Now they do the exact same thing. All they do is they go to the next spotting scope, and they shoot the exact same shots. But now there's a reticle right in the way of what you're seeing. Okay, where'd that bullet go? Mm-hmm. Well. I'm not sure. Right. And so you have, you have a fish net in front of you that you're trying to look through. Um, and those are really good for ranging. Those are really good for measuring. Those are really good for, uh, you know, corrections. And so you still have to be able to have those. Um, but what I like in a reticle is I like something that's open Mm -hmm. and that I, that's really simple for me to be able to, uh, see everything with, I don't want anything overpowering, I don't want super thick dots or super thick lines or mm. uh, too many lines, but on the same you know same token, it has to be usable. So a nice good horizontal um, you know center bar that's going to have some good wind holds, whether that's half or quarters or two tenths, and then a a simple tree for me is perfect. Um, I don't want I don't want a full tree. I just want maybe every other or every you know every mill let's say instead of every half mill yep um just something that's simple that's pleasing to my eye but everybody's eye sees something a little bit different and so for me i want to be able to spot my shots i want to be able to spot my trace and i can't have it too busy yep uh, what about you i as you know i mean now i speak openly i'm i'm kind of in a radical uh a quandary in my head here so i <laughs> i i totally agree i love so just as far as specifics that i know that i know that i like i don't like big heavy thick lines you gotta you gotta be able to be pretty faint uh, i run generally on a little higher power 20 and 25 a lot and so i don't mind pretty thin lines because when you crank it up 25 it's just they're generally plenty adequate to see so i like pretty thin lines i love a center dot a floating center dot as an aiming point. Oh, there you um, go. Good. I like um, two-tenth or quarter mil holds. I don't quite just like half one, half two. Um, I like when there are very small numbers. Um, I don't need my one mil uh, mark or a num- one, my one mil mark. I don't need a one over it because it's the first big line. But I do like... I do like seeing little tiny numbers, and I want them faint. And I don't, I haven't f- totally decided if I like them above or below, but I'm not terribly picky as long as they're very small. But I like the two and the three and the four on the two and the three, four mark or mill mark lines just for super quick ref- reference, uh, uh, horizontal and vertical. 
Um, I like, um, I don't like a bunch of extra stuff. I, I like on the edges of the reticle, I like a one-tenth mark somewhere out there. So when you're just sighting your gun in or you want to mill something carefully, you have you have a you know a one-tenth scale somewhere in the scope. That's not critical. You hardly ever use that at matches, but I like it being in there if it's if it's well out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a faint, a very faint tree. And the more the more I shoot, gosh, the, the honestly I dial everything. I rarely, rarely do holdovers um, unless they force you to. And generally, I mean, part of me wonders even, I mean, I like a very, very faint tree. And part of me wonders like, man, I don't even need a tree. I know some, some top, some definitely high level shooters. I was, you know, talking to Matt, Matty B, Matt Brassell the other day, um, about that and he he doesn't run a tree he's never run a tree it's just basic just basic crosshair i was like sweet that's you know and i just wonder like kind of going back Is to that, that the uh, the schmidt h2 cmr which one's that it's a schmidt i don't know the numbers i don't i'm not super familiar with schmidt stuff but um what is it? H two cmr i think is I'm, the two tens holds and no now. Yeah, that's it. It's got the yeah circles at the mills and yep H two CMR is that's all he's running. It's just super simple. It's I'm like, simple. I was like, man, I part of me wants just so loophole's got a TMR, which is just there's no numbers. It's a it's a it's what I I don't particularly care for an open center for the crosshair where the it comes in and there's nothing there. It's interesting. I'm get, I've been shooting one and kind of getting used to it. It's not bad. I'm just not used to it. I like the center dot a little bit more. Um, and it's got half and one, half and two, half and three marks up in vertical and horizontal, super simple, no numbers, no nothing, but man, shooting that thing, dude, it's, it's just like after sh- this. So compared to the CCH was what I've been running. It's got a lot of cool features, but it's got a lot of features that don't need to be in there and that clutter up the view too much. And we, we've talked about this a lot, so I'm, I'm not saying anything out of line. I'm talking with loophole. We've got, you know, uh, at some point, hopefully, come out with a, you know, a, a little bit better reticle between the, the 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 TMR and the CCH, but I'm just I don't quite have what I what I consider to be perfect. I'm excited for something coming out, but it's just the CCH is too busy. Even though it's got some good some good features, but it's 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 too busy. I, I definitely lose a few shots. Um, you know, sometimes where they land exactly, you'll see them kind of, but not as clear as you could. So I'm kind of thinking about going that TMR, just kind of wide open. I think uh, Nick Gerdaz, he's been burning it down. He's running that 525 Mark V. And I think he's running that TMR, just real simple reticle. And it's got enough info. If you got to do a holdover, kind of mm-hmm. sort it out. But um, yeah, less is more. Um, I don't know. What do you think? How do you... For him to know that he loves it. So how do you know when you love a reticle? You need love some, or hate. Yeah, you need some, you need some experience. Um, you need to shoot a lot to know what matters. I think, that, hopefully this doesn't rub people the wrong way, but I feel like the horse, like you said, it seems like guys grab those um, because they – like holy smokes this looks cool like look at all this stuff this must be like important or something yeah it's tactical it's extra (laughs) junk 
Well, it's totally impractical. It's it it, 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 you, it deters you from shooting. It doesn't help you. See, it distracts trace. It, it, you know, it obscures trace. It doesn't. It's too much information. It's not fast enough. It's just anyway. I just I I think you got to know enough to where you're not that guy where you're like, oh well, it looks cool. It's got all this extra stuff and marks and it must be good and mover holds and other other you know how to mill a guy at a certain range so you don't have to range him. If he fits in this bracket, you can shoot him. Like a bunch of stuff you're never going to use or you don't need. Um, so you got to shoot enough to know, you know, what's practical and what's not. And from there, I think it's personal preference. I think what you get used to, they're all going to work. If you have a crosshair, if you have a dot, if you have an f- open center, they're all going to work if you're breaking good trigger pulls. Um, I think you just get, you get, um, you're just going to naturally find what you like. I don't know if there's a right answer. It seems like the majority of guys are using either the two tenth or the 0.25 holds on the windage. Mm-hmm. I would say, do you think that's yep. the majority? Yeah, I think that is, I, I would say most people are probably two tenths. Yeah. Um, and I wish there was a reticle that came out or that was, um, out of the market. That was a really good, a quarter mil. So right now it's there's the, the Gen 2 XR and that's a uh you know center crosshair and then half mil hold and then one and then mm-hmm. one and a half and then two. Well that's a little bit too vague. Yep. And, and it's a little too broad. And so if there was a if there was something that did a quarter, half, 0.75 and one you would have four lines in there, and I think you get really quick with that. Oh, yeah, um, that's one of the pros of the CCH. Is, is I was running point two before that. It's point two five, and I really like it. Like it gets yeah. rid of one line instead of having you know two four six eight one. It's only two five five seven five. So it gets rid of a line between the one mil. So it could minimize it. And I love that. So that's a, yeah, that's a good point. And the reason I say that is because then it it you know, going back to seeing trace and spotting shots, it's, it's one less line per mil. Yeah. That kind of opens up the reticle. Now I was fortunate to design a reticle with us optics and it's a two tenth, uh, wind holds. And then it's got, uh, 0.5 and one on all the elevation for the tree. And then as you go out on the horizontal on the tree, it, it goes back to your two tenths. So everything windage wise is always, two tenths and then everything horizontal is always you know your your half and your one um and so i did that just because i thought the two tenths made it a little bit more accurate and it seems like a lot of people are going towards that two tenth Mm -hmm. uh you know kind of two tenth line there's a there is a lot of there's a ton of good reticles on the market. I really, there's a lot. Yeah, yep. Um, and they're all going to be usable. They're all going to work really well. My recommendation, Mr. Luke would be find something that pleases your eye. Kind of take some of those things that we were saying and see what works best for you. And when, when you're at the range, uh, you know, if you're ever with me, Hey Jake, can I look at your reticle? Of course you can. Hey John, can yeah. I, can I look yeah. at your reticle? Of course you can try yep. to look at a bunch of different reticles yep. and see what looks good to you. And then just, uh, kind of master it and go from there. I've been, you know, fortunate to shoot this particular scope quite a lot. And so now I've, uh, become very familiar with it. And as soon as I look through it, I know exactly what I'm looking at. I don't have to I don't have to count. I don't have to, 
um, you know, make mental notes on where this or that is. I just know right away, okay, that's four tenths, send it. And then there's, it's very little thinking mm-hmm. because it's, it's just repetition. I've done it over and over again. Yep. Yeah. That's a good point. No, that's a good answer. Talk circles around, but that seems to be, I don't know. That's a overview of what's going on in the sport right now. A lot of, a lot of center dot, a lot of two tenths and less is more to a certain extent. So don't, I don't have anything against Horace, but don't buy Horace. Not for this game. It's I don't I don't know that it's. I think it's going to be more of a problem that more more harm than help. So that's right. Anyway, um, let's see. Probably could wrap it up quick. One guy was asking what we do in the off season to keep record of gear. Uh, his name's Mike Strauss. Uh, replacement plan off season and there's not much of an off season. We'll probably, I don't know. We'll talk about what we're doing that time of year, but that's <laughs> long answer short. Not much. It's, there's a kind of getting all of our, get, get maybe get some barrels ready or just kind of relax. It ends up being a lot of show time, like shot show and you know, some hunting yep. shows. And, um, but there isn't really weather's pretty nasty, especially where Jake is, um, pretty rainy here. And, and, uh, it's fun to catch up with the family, so not a lot. Honestly, this year I think I'm going to shoot this offseason a little bit, shoot a little bit of handgun. There's some handgun matches down south I just found out about, and I'm getting a killer gun from Get a Grip, Sloan Valdez. I'm getting a just awesome. I'll show you guys some pictures. They've been out a little bit, but I'll show you some pictures when that comes out. I'm going to shoot a little handgun. So yep. anyway, that's a short answer to that. I don't, do you have anything to add to that quickly? Or You know, I um... – I've been kind of jonesing for some pistol shooting lately as yeah, well. Buddy. <laughs> and I know we, we kind of both have. So oh, yeah. I have a, a pistol from Thanks. Sloan as well, and it's just super sick. Yeah. So it's a Glock 17L. And then uh, I actually it's have. It's almost as long as your comp gun. That's right. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, and as of today, I have a new STI that I have. and Seriously? Have, yeah, as of today. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, so it's the STI Steelmaster Open or whatever it's called. Um, That's awesome. And then I have uh, a guy by the name of Bobby Keegan's Freedom Gunworks. He's building me a kind of lefty-specific decked-out gun, and I'm really excited. I've heard nothing but good work um, from from his work. Yeah, that's a 2011, right? Is that correct? He he built some killer race guns. What's it? Did you say what's his the business name again? That's Freedom Gunworks. Freedom Gunworks. Yeah, check him out. He's got some cool stuff on Instagram. Check it out. So, um, at least I hope it's Freedom Gunworks. Hopefully, I didn't. No, I think that's right. Say that. I know that. No, I think that's right. So, um, Yeah. yeah, that'll be. That'll be what I'm excited about. Oh, one one more thing. I got a, um, I, I I've been on this uh, kick of getting chassis painted, and uh, Cerakoted is a company in Utah that we're actually works with Sloan. They do some crazy paint jobs. He's the guy who painted Cerakoted. Is the guy who painted my last MDT. That crazy color I posted. Anyway, I it just so good too, dude. He did a killer job. Anyway, I just got um, my second one back from him. Uh, and just put it together. So waiting for a muzzle break. When I get that, I'll take some pictures of it and post it up. It's we went with a little more subdued, a little bit simpler look, just to kind of have a crazy one, a little bit more simple one with some gold and some black. Anyway, I'll post some pictures of that. It's real. I'm I'm stoked about it. For a long time, I didn't do anything. It was just plain chassis, stainless barrel, and 
and I used to like kind of had fun building guns and now it's getting to be a little bit more like that. I'm having fun, like cool chassis and paint, put some Cerakote on the barrels and they actually look kind of cool. So I'm kind of geeking out with that. So I'll show you some pictures of that. Anyway, thanks to Cerakote. I was pretty jacked about getting that. Just, I got that when I got back on, on Sunday night. So yeah, anyway, so we're running long. We're, we're an hour 15, so we got to wrap this sucker up. It's Wednesday night. I got a bunch of work tomorrow. Jake's got a bunch of work tomorrow. So, but got to get back on the horse. We got, I want to keep these coming out uh, regular for you guys. So, we've got, so I got some hunts coming up. Jake's got some shoots coming up, but we'll, we'll figure out how to get these out. So, anyway, thanks again for tuning in. This is episode 11. Oh, gosh dang it. We got to do our giveaway, but it's too late. Um, uh, well, I'm going to do spoiler. We got. Uh, Russell from Rock Creek sent us a couple barrels. Uh, we're going to do a giveaway. And just a heads up, we will go through it all next week or when we do this. I feel terrible. We were supposed to do it today, and I totally spaced it. So um, anyway, that's, that's my bad. We'll work on that next time. So um, anyway, episode 11, and send us questions, feedback, whatever you guys want. We'll, we'll, we'll tackle it. So thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Um, you know, appreciate all the kind words and the, and the comments and everything. So it's, it's fun to have you guys out there. So until next time, doodles.